when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It's Friday, October 23rd, and you're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 353. I am your host, Austin Walker. Joining me today, Ricardo Contreras. How you doing, Cado? Hi, I'm good. Hi, we're good. We're yelling. It's Caps Lock Day, apparently. This is oh. what it sounds like to speak in Caps Lock. I really thought you were like, this is what it sounds like when doves cry. It's <laughs> like... That's not true. That's supposed to be kind of soft and elegant. Also joining us, Patrick Klepek. I'm gonna I'm gonna paste this into uh-huh. our chat. Okay. Yeah, there he is. That's Tom Holland as Nathan Drake. That's. Oh my God! I was going to say, is that a Uncharted thing? And yes, okay. And the answer is, is yes. That's all right. I think of yeah. him as a uh, a very small boy because of the Spider-Man movies, but I guess he's growing into a man. You know. He'll get there. Sure. <laughs> Tom Holland is old. Old. he'll get there. He'll get there. <laughs> He's 24. That's an yeah. adult. Yeah, I know. That's oh, about yeah. the age Nathan Drake was, the first adventure he went on with Elena. Maybe a little younger, but like... Is that a prequel? No way. I don't... I don't... Not if he's dressed like that. That looks like some... That looks like some Uncharted one. one. Yeah. Uh, also joining us, Rob Zachney. How's it going? Yeah, it's going. Nathan Drake was apparently born January 1st, 1976. He's just fully untucked. Oh, you're right. He doesn't have the half tuck. Bruh. The the development of the half tuck is the crux Maybe that's halfway through the movie. You're right. They make a thing of it. He's come untucked. It's like a, a, you know, it's kind of like getting an insight into into his mental state at this moment. He he jams a a gun down his, like, belt. And then, like, later he pulls out and he's like, I kind of like this. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, thanks for this news update, Patrick. Do you have any other breaking news that you want to share with us? I'll let you know. I'll, I'll let you know. You stay on I the you stay on the news tip. You let us know if anything. Oh, it's absolutely tweets. an origin story, so it makes sense. What is? That's yeah, okay. So it's what is for? <laughs> that's the thing, right? Didn't they do that? They did it on an origin story. That's the that's the thing. The origin story, origin story. How did he get in that orphanage? Right. How do we know? <laughs> Turns out as a young 24-year-old man, uh, he was time-traveled back to being a little boy. He was put in an orphanage mm-hmm. where he befriended Troy Baker, who will be played by Troy Baker. Um, yeah, fantastic. Uh, that You know, I guess that's the thing. I wonder if we'll get video game crawl. I mean, I guess when people saw Nolan North on the set, right? There's some sort of Nolan North talking to him shot. Mm-hmm. So I, I bet that there's some sort of cameo for Nolan North, at least. Uh, Baker's has Troy Baker has to earn his way in, unfortunately, for Troy. <laughs> fortunately for me, because it's fine. I'm good without it. Uh, he seems like he's doing OK. <laughs> yeah, Troy seems like he's doing just fine. Um, I guess I don't know. I don't know what his personal situation. We don't have to go. We okay, don't have to right, speculate. Jesus, Austin. On, 
are you doing, Patrick? You weren't on on Monday, which was, was frustrating for me because I wanted to hear about the new Amnesia game, which dropped on on Monday, I believe, or at least reviews Tuesday. dropped on believe Monday. It, yeah, I believe it came out on Tuesday. The reviews dropped on, on Monday. Yeah, am, uh, Amnesia, Amnesia Rebirth. Rebirth, yeah. So uh, we should get into that. Yeah, Amnesia Rebirth. Uh, it, it was announced this year. wasn't um, kind of surprising um, that uh, Frictional decided to return to – like the original Amnesia the Dark Descent, which I, I think now has – like. I think people have heard about it or know about it more than have played it. I mean, it's a very popular game, but, uh, you know, The Dark Descent is, like, you sort of can't talk about the modern horror genre without the influence of The Dark Descent in, like, Mm -hmm. two key ways. Like, one of which is that while it was not the first game to, like, take away, like, violent action towards enemies as, like, your primary verb of, like, what you're doing in in a space, but it it really did popularize the, the notion of, like, hey, like, actually, this game is about being in this space, exploring, hiding, being afraid, not being able to, like, bludgeon the enemy around the corner. Like, you just can't do anything. It's just you, and you need to hide, and you need to get away, and, like, that that is primarily what you are going to do uh, in this video game alongside lots of weird physics puzzles, um, which remains in Amnesia Rebirth. Um, uh, that, is a sta- that is a staple of the frictional genre. It goes back to their pre-Amnesia days, Penumbra, um, which is a series oh. that they did uh, pre-Amnesia, um, Soma, and uh, Amnesia Rebirth. Like, they, there are, you know, my review, my pseudo-review, which I now, st- I could just put a review stamp on it because <laughs> I've since finished the game. Um, but, but it, you know, it's basically like, the f- you know, like Thomas Grip over there, the creative director of fictional, loves his, you're going to turn some cranks in a way that doesn't make any sense and grinds the game to a halt. But that's that's just what he does. And that's present rebirth. But uh, Somebody took a fishing pole, they made it into an arbalest, but now it's an elevator pulley. Yes. That's, that's the game. <laughs> oh, yeah. I imagine, Rob, maybe you've run into some of these early in the bits. I'm curious to talk to you about Rebirth, especially because the bit you sent me, I have, we'll get there. Uh, but uh, The Dark Descent is also um, critical to sort of like the rise of like uh, creators like PewDiePie and the Let's Play and like popularizing that genre um, on YouTube, um, in which Amnesia uh, was like a, a key contributor in the like, why would you want to watch people play video games? Like an early version of that was because you want to watch them get the shit scared out of them. And Amnesia was like very good at that. Even though it's not a jump scare factory, it has like a lot of elements of that. And so um, Frictional themselves seem to understand that like Amnesia was maybe lightning in a bottle. They did a pseudo, they did a, a spinoff, a machine for pigs that was made by the Chinese room. Um, a game that was okay. I liked the story more than I liked yeah. playing it, um, which honestly may be consistent across all the Amnesia games, uh, really. Um, and I think that's uh, also that's also probably fair to say. Just like uh, my experience with the Chinese Room Zone games is like, yeah, their story here is really interesting. I'm yeah. not sure that there's a lot here for me in terms of the way that story is delivered. Yeah, every girl on the Rapture, like I really enjoyed. But I look back on it and the story that it told is like that's you remember great. Remember that story? I enjoyed yeah. individual yeah. moments, but like they had to add a run button because you moved like Patrick, molasses. Across. There is a there is a podcast that I think Cam Kunzelman and I have talked about doing like. Probably once every six months for the last year and a half uh-huh. of like, we should really go back to everybody's gone to the rapture because we both had the same arc of like, fuck this game. I hate this shit. And then like, damn, I can't stop thinking about that game that sucked. And that was kind <laughs> of that's kind of where I've ended up with everybody's gone to the rapture. The story, some of the moments like haunt me. But like, I think I hated playing that. 
but it resonated. <laughs> it's fucked up. Well, but yeah, and, so uh, Chinese Room did that while Frictional was off doing something else, right? They were doing Soma, yeah. Right, and, right. and Soma, I, I think, is a masterpiece. I think it is the masterwork of Frictional as a studio. Um, if, like, the release of Amnesia Rebirth makes you, I think has for a lot of people been like, like maybe, maybe I should dip my toe into this. Like, maybe Rebirth is going to be the game. It's the newest one. It's like, no, like, don't. Like, uh, I think <laughs> Rebirth contains a lot of, like, historical tropes of like what Frictional does in some really bad ways. I think Soma is their best game. It's their best story. And it also has uh, a mode where you can sort of just like flip off the enemies as a, uh, a danger. They still exist, but it, uh, it I has thought you a... Meant, I thought you meant they added them over you would give them the finger. <laughs> you could flip them off. Get the fuck out of here. It might be a I'm steam mod. I don't you. know. Phasmophobia ah. and amnesia have crossed over. <laughs> crossed over. <laughs> uh. um, and so I was, I was curious when they announced Rebirth. I was like, well, what's the... Like, why go back here? Like, I just, it's, it's like similar, I felt about like Spelunky too. It was like, all right, um, like you're intentionally after a long period of time coming back to this. Like, what is the reason to come back to to this? Um, and well, like, and hey, unlike you know, I, Spelunky too, they had since made a game that you thought was a masterpiece in between. Yes, the thing that I like, sort of thought could, about with Derek Yu is like, yeah. oh, go, like take what you learned and like go do something radically different. Like Soma, like, is that for it is a lot of the lessons of amnesia um grafted onto to something uh, similar but different um and it worked really well um and so to go back to amnesia um it was a pretty apprehensive none of the trailers really did like a lot for me and then i stopped watching them and it's like i'll just get into it when it arrives and like the long and short of it is like it's good it's not great uh it's you know i i just i want to i'm going to just read this message rob sent to me um which is he, he damn me this morning. Seven in the morning. Seven in the morning. You know the, t- the you know the the, the amnesia hour. Um, am I missing something in amnesia? I can't just pick up a fucking candle. I keep lighting candles and the little oil lamps, and the only interaction option is extinguish. And I'm like, what the fuck? No. And my response was, welcome to amnesia. Um, <laughs> which is to, to to say like the uh, it's a game of quirks. Like amnesia, if you've not played um or some or any of the frictional games in the past, like. There are first-person horror games in which, like, part of, like, the design shtick is that there are monsters present, but you cannot do anything about them. You can run from them, you can hide from them, um, but you cannot <clears throat> attack them. And that is sort of, like, the design consistency between, um, uh, you know, Frictional as a studio. That's sort of, like, been the idea that they've been playing with um, all along. And uh, Rebirth uh, continues that um, and also continues uh, a lot of uh, other... Uh, you know, quirks um, that I, I just now just associate with Frictional as a studio. Like the setup is you uh, are part of an expedition going to the Algerian desert. Um, you play a woman named uh, Tasi who um, is there with her husband and this, these other uh, folks that are going to, you're not really sure what they're doing. They're just like, they're going to the desert. They're going to explore some ruins, I guess, or something. There's not like a whole lot of explanation of the setup. Yeah. Um, the plane goes down. Uh, you wake up and nobody's around, but then you start, discovering bits and pieces that suggest people have left the plane um, and gone on without you, which doesn't seem to make a lot of sense why they would have left someone uh, who had survived behind. Um, And you also realize that you're pregnant. Um, And so then the story from there is sort of like, why did the people leave the plane? Why can't you remember why people left the plane? And, oh, shit, you're pregnant. Um, you should probably get out of this desert. Um, and uh, oh no, it appears there are 
spooky ghouls that are like hiding uh, around uh, different corners. I hate um, it when there's some spooky ghouls. Don't want those spooky. Yeah, it's a it's a bad time for all. Um, are we talking about? What are we talking about when we say spooky ghouls? Are we talking about like? Like undead creatures, you're talking about ghosts, spirits. There's literally a room in this fort you go to, uh, this like abandoned uh, French Foreign Legion uh, okay. fort where like bad shit went down. That I shit you not, there's bunches of scraps of paper that describe different like mythological monsters of like Arab and Bedouin tradition. Okay, uh, so it's like a a uh, a ghoul is this kind of monster and hunts like this and it does this. Uh, okay. But then of course there's the jinn. And the gin is bad news because of this. So and you got so a monster like, manual is what you're telling. You got a D&D <laughs> monster manual flipped open to like the vague the, the, Arabic. The French Foreign Legion were like, shit's going bad. We better itemize this shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got to turn into the Ghostbusters to catalog all of the all of the ghouls we're up against here. Um so you start seeing ghouls. Sorry, Patrick, you were saying. Yeah, well, like the the, the I had I uh I ultimately came down liking the the game and the grand totality of it. But um, like the opening act, I think is really rough because, and I think this is going to be especially true of folks who aren't, haven't internalized or like, oh, this is just how these games work. Like these are like, this is what it's doing and this is what it's not doing. Like Rob noticing that you can't pick up a candle in a game that is all about resource constraints. So the, like the, the split in, Rebirth is, yeah, Rob is leaning back. He's very upset. He should be. He should be. Um, no, no, no. I, I actually might disagree with you here. We're going. Okay. Uh, so the, 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 the dichotomy that Rebirth tries to set up is like it opens in the, the bright, sunny desert. It is like, hey, you know, uh, and some horror movies will do this. Like, like, can you make something scary in the day instead of like only having things that like creak on the, the, the wooden flo- uh, floorboards um, at night when there's no lights. And so like it tries to like start out boldly by having you in, in the desert and has a weird mechanic where it's like, don't be in the sun too long or you'll die. But it like doesn't mean anything. Like it's, there are oftentimes in Rebirth where it feels, you can like see like prototypes of things they were playing with and like it's like sort of here, but they didn't do end up doing a whole uh, lot with. Um, and once you start entering like these caves and you start entering different buildings, um, the, the way, uh, rebirth sort of like sets up, uh, like sort of like roadblocks to create tension for the player, um, is that you early on for the first couple of hours, all you have can collect are matches. And, uh, when you, uh, light a match, like the faster you move, so like you have a run button or you can walk, um, the faster that, uh, match is going to go out. And it's really only going to be lit for, I don't know, five, six seconds. Like it's a short amount of time. And so, you kind of like are taking a gamble where like you choose to like light a match. You need to find a, a like a torch to light or a candle to light. And there may be instances where you don't seem to have anything around you. So you're going to light the match so you can see what's around you and then right. just blindly go forward hoping that you will find something to create sustained light around you. Right. Um, in uh, The Dark Descent, um, uh, you know, one of the mechanical hooks is with a you know, time called like managing your sanity, which is that when you were in the dark, um, you were slowly like quote, losing your mind. And so when there were enemies around, you were supposed to hide, turn off your lamp and kind of crouch away. But you were like slowly like quote, losing your sanity as that happened. And that was like your health meter. Uh, you could die from the creatures, but really you were more likely to die because you hid in the dark too long and, you know – went into the you lost your mind to the Lovecraftian, you know, whatever right. um, was going on in that game. And um 
you know, in, in uh, Rebirth sort of probably as a nod to like how we have differently viewed mental health and talk about mental health in 10 years. Like now it is called like, you know, you're just too scared. You're, you're afraid, which is, which is fair. You're locked in the desert, you're pregnant. And like, there's a weird ghoul going around. Like I could see yeah, how I'm, you could snap from just being, being too scared. And so, um, like the, 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 your screen like kind of like goes black. There are like sort of like splotches that come in around you to sort of like reflect that you are like very scared and fear splotches. We all fear them. Yeah. When we're yeah, very spooked. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so like that becomes the tension of like, you know, light this thing, try and go a little further, but there are constantly objects in the room that a person could pick up and make this light source last longer, which is right, constantly like, candles or lanterns that don't run on oil. It's just a candle. And if you were just careful with it, you could carry this thing around. And so and relight like, it. I, I'm watching yes, a segment I, now where someone is walking around lighting like big, like torches, like mm-hmm. torches that are like slammed into the ground. Yeah, just torches. pick one of those up. Just pick up one of those torches and bring it with you. And Can't I made a, put that I, shit out. I yeah. made a note of this when I was playing the game. I was like, is annoying that I can't just pick up obvious objects in a game yeah. whose shtick is picking up objects well, and doing physicy yeah. things with it. And when your and, other option is a match on fire yes. <laughs> in your hand, burning yes. your finger. Yes. Like, yes. it's not like you have an, an okay lantern that you're like, well, I got to hold on to this lantern for some other reason. This is good enough. Like, no, you just have a book of six matches and that's it. And it's, that's not, it. it's, not, it's, exp- it's not explained away through any sort of like, you know, give me some spooky design logic. Right. Like, I shouldn't touch anything. Logic. It might release the ghoul. Sure. Yeah. Like, ah, uh, like these objects are cursed. Like you can only use like this, like non-cursed lamp that you found and, right. and the matches for some reason are exempt. There's nothing like that. It's just, you know also, what? Who's hiding these matches all over this, this Dude, legion? Like mine, it's like, uh, skip 15 seconds. Like minor spoilers. Like there's like dimensional travel in this game. And there's just matches in, in oil, like in, in these <laughs> other places you go to. It's great. It's great. Uh, um, maybe there's a note that I missed that explains <laughs> why that's true. Um, but it is like I wrote that note and then didn't put it in the the piece that I wrote because I'm sure you know everyone on this podcast has genres that they are attached to. Yes, that there are probably instances for all of us where when uh, a normie enters the genre you love, like things Bro, you just accept, Max like would just this is fall just how over. The- you would just right, push we, them; we, they would fall over, which is true, st- by the way. <laughs> Yeah, stuff like that where it's like when another person comes in and Rob points this out, I'm like, shit, yeah, like I probably should have like mentioned that. But because I'm so used to playing these games, like, no, this is they're trying to make this resource constraint and you're just sort of like supposed to ignore it. And like, that's just how it is. But it is true that if you were to come into this without like this weight of, well, this is just how these games play, you would look at this and go, well, this seems silly because if you could just pick this stuff up, it would undercut the tension that they're trying to, to build, which... I don't know that it really works anyway. I think of this game, you want to flip on a mod that was, I'm sure it's probably already out. Now this game has been out for a couple yeah. of days. It's just like unlimited matches, unlimited oil. I don't think it meaningfully changes uh, like the, the scares that are uh, like good in this game. Like the tension that it does achieve has very little to do with, um, you know, your, the matches that you're running out of. Like it instead like, it was just, yeah, it, it, sounds instead like it was just like late in the game. I had a sequence where <clears throat> I didn't know where to go next and so I was. I wasted six matches just like. Oh. And there's no quick save and quick load. Oh. Um, and so I just stopped. I was like, okay, clearly I'm not picking up on whatever the game's architecture is trying to direct me towards. And instead, I'm just like walking into the, a wall. So I loaded up a YouTube video because right. the game had already been out and like saw like, oh no, I was just supposed to spin around this little area here. Um, so it's like, what you know, 
I, I don't know that the, the match constraints there were like heightening the tension. It was mostly just like, okay, fucking game. Like, give me the big green arrow that shows me where to <laughs> okay. go next because I can't so, seem to find here's it. Here's something, though, that I think is bears mentioning. Um, if you need to keep burning through matches and like lighting up rooms, mm-hmm. you're soft. Um, <laughs> like, first of all, what? your character has your character has night vision. Okay, like this is a weird thing this character does, and I'm pretty sure, like, I'm pretty sure I know where this game is going. Yeah, things are dark and scary. Then you go plunging into the dark, and like she gets like predator vision. It's fucked up. <laughs> it's like electric blue lighting. She can just see in the dark, and it scares her. Yes, or at least some sort of visual interference that's coming across. But like the intro, because you mentioned like the the matches thing was so annoying. I had the intro. I was like, I'm just gonna burn through this. By not burning matches. Uh, and so I just started being like, oh, no, I'm being overwhelmed by fear. Better just keep walking through this tunnel that I can see perfectly clearly through. <laughs> oh, no, I'm getting I'm getting flashbacks to sad things that happened back in Paris. And I'm like, just get me the fucking ladder. All right, cool. Here's some natural light. I'm going to stand here for a minute. Chill. Uh, and I think like one of the weird things about this is. Amnesia, uh, The Dark Descent, I remember being fucking brutal about how quickly your character would just freak out. Like, that was a game where, um, if I I remember this correctly, like, you were basically there because you'd been, like, uh, delving arcane secrets with a fucking wizard homie of yours, and you'd done some bad shit. It was basically like Fantasia, but scary. Um, (laughs) Put it on the box. (laughs) And so you're trapped in this castle full of these horrors you'd unleashed. But like you were you were a nerd. You were you were like a you were like a grad student who just like fucked up real bad. And the P.I. was like, now you can't leave. Um, (laughs) But you couldn't go five steps in that game into the darkness without your character basically being like, I want to die. I just can't (laughs) do it, please. Yeah. And Amnesia. Your character doesn't like the dark, but is also like completely capable of navigating it, unlike uh, Dark Descent. And so there's kind of this weird thing of like the character just to just to avoid the brief like being overwhelmed by fear thing that happens where it kicks you back to a previous location where like things were chill and your character's like, oh, what happened? Um, like beyond that, though, the darkness isn't too much of an obstacle, at least so far. Uh, and so it's it's kind of a weird thing where well, it's it's weird because like the, the uh, frictional and I've talked to Tom Scrip about this a, a handful of times like that game like did well it was successful it was like really critically acclaimed but a lot of players bounced off it because they made it as an evolution of in a lot of ways of the the Dark Descent and what people found what they found was that a lot of people really liked the story of Soma but didn't want to interact with the monsters anymore. Like they found the trial and error frustrating. Like it wasn't novel in the way that it was in the dark descent. And so they ended up adding in a mode that like the monsters are still there, but they just sort of like throw you to the ground and then you can just keep moving. Um, and there's something similar going on here in, in rebirth um, where the, the game is like primarily interested in finding a way to keep, keep you moving, which is that um, in a lot of horror games, um, like the horror is undercut because you die and then, oh, great, now you have to trial and error your way through a sequence again, whether it's fighting an enemy, getting through some section, like whatever it is, like horror is undercut through repetition. And what Amnesia is, uh, Rebirth is attempting to do is like, well, how do you still have parts of horror that are meant to scare and create tension, have like resource preservation 
while also allowing the player to keep moving. Um, I think it's like a really interesting like design problem to like think through because the game doesn't ditch monsters. It doesn't uh, ditch resource constraints, but then as Rob, as you've like, you kind of learned by through like brute force of just like, now fuck it. I'm just not going to even really interact with this like part of the game is like, well, it has something for you to fall back on, which is that we can kind of see in the dark. Like, um, you're not going to be able to see everything. You're not going to be able to like scrounge through a, uh, like a, uh, like set of drawers easily in the same way that you could, if you had, like, you might miss some matchbooks that you're not using. Right. And, 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 um, like there, yeah, there is, uh, like, you know, you don't really, uh, like my, skip ahead for a couple minutes if you're like want to remain pure on unnamed on rebirth, but like you don't die in this game. Like you, um, it does something really fascinating with death, which <clears throat> is that you you can sort of like crack, like you can get too scared, and then your character just sort of like passes out. But then you just kind of like spawn back into the area. But it's not oh. a it's not like it's loaded a, a checkpoint. The game is persistent. Like so it is always done present. Three torches. If you've lit three more torches, they're still there. They're still lit. What? Wait. Does that? What happens if you run out of matches? Well, th- that's the thing. There's always a fallback, which is that you can see in the dark, which means you can progress, which means you can find new resources. So you are never in a situation where you will be in so the you dark. You won't get in loaded back to that checkpoint, even with the dark vision on there's no ima- as long as it's you're like making cleared it's not you're not going to reload and you're still on the cusp of like one huh. percent like fear right like you go back and, it, and you're and distances are never so far that you can't push through with that well no so and even even more interestingly so uh again like uh if you somehow listen to this and you don't want like slightly more mechanical spoilers <laughs> skip ahead again but because i think it's worth unpacking Kato, it's, can you it's, can you just mark out yeah, this entire yeah, section yeah, as yeah, we're going to talk about some mechanical spoilers <laughs> yeah Going forward. I, I think it's meant to be discovered by the player, but I just like to explain like how they've tried to unpack this. Like, yeah, design yeah, yeah. I'd rather have the like, interesting conversation. Yeah. Um, is so like when you first encounter um, like a creature, uh, you know, the a way these games perhaps, usually work, perhaps a, a ghoul, uh, Dijin, perhaps uh, the 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 way this usually <laughs> works in a horror nature. game, things of that nature. <laughs> uh, you know, you start collecting For 12 scraps of paper and you collect um, them all again. <laughs> Uh, is that, oh, you see this thing, you want to avoid it, you don't want to be killed. And part of that is because, well, it's scary to be chased and attacked by a monster. And also, you know, rooted back to the origins of video games, like, you don't want the game over screen. You don't want to do it again. You just want to keep moving forward and see the next thing. And so what happens in in Rebirth, and it doesn't communicate this to you until you encounter it, and presumably, I guess, if you just played through the game and never died, you would never experience this. But um, I... um, I was getting so frustrated in the first act where I was like, I'm dealing with, uh, unlike Rob, I was like, I want to do, like, I want to participate in, like, the resource constraints. Like, I want to do that. I consider that to be, like, right. core to what the game is messaging to me. And so I want to do this part of it. Um, but then I was getting so frustrated with, like, you know, uh, I'm burning all this stuff. I do. I need to explore this area, but I've got this monster looking, looking at me around the corner, and I can't see what's in front of me. And I was just getting... I was like getting to the point where I didn't want to play it anymore. And I was like, I'm going to see what happens if I just stand in front of this monster and it's just going to fucking attack me. And I just want to see what it does. And it like three times in a row, it's like, Hey, could you just struggle? Like just move the analog sticks a little bit. And like, you could just keep going. And I was like, no, I just want to see where this goes. Show me a death. Yeah. And so what happens is like, you know, like the the ghoul like screams in your face. Um, You pass out um, like a little cut sceney thing happens and you arrive back at the same spot that you were, and the ghoul is no longer there. It has just been moved out of the way. Um, and you can just keep moving forward. Huh. Now, it's not that it's been deleted or it's been defeated. It is just, like, the game acknowledging, like, you were here, 
you want to keep moving forward. We're not going to make you like go through this specific little um, like pathway of like we're figure out what the AI you know ghoul is doing and like get around it properly. It's like just go to the next. And there were also instances where it would just move me forward. I would just skip whole <laughs> sequences of the game, not big sequences, but like. Um, and you would see it, right? Like you see it in like the cutscene. You can see the game moving you forward. Um, and are you so being dragged? it's always are you just walking. Are you? I don't want to explain too much into okay, it because okay. I feel like then I'm getting into story stuff yeah, that yeah, I yeah, think yeah, people, yeah. even if they're hearing this, would want to see like sure. like how it's uh, playing with that. But I, it's all just to underscore like this arc of Frictional as a studio, how they're trying to unpack like the horror genre and, and like, player what response, they're doing to try and did not like the <clears throat> monsters in Soma no. partially because Soma just wasn't that game. Like Soma had, it was creepy, but at its best, it was being philosophical. It was being like horrific in this existential way, the questions of technology and selfhood and blah, blah, blah. And it played with that stuff really well. But then sometimes they were just like, and now you're <clears> in this underwater lab and there's a, t- a bunch of monsters running at you run. And like, it sucked. It wasn't that. Good, stuff get, wasn't get through this monster maze. And yeah. it's like, no, actually I just wanted to hear, like the fucked up stuff that happens when we like play with brains and computers right. like yeah, that's exactly. what I'm here for. So I this feels like a response to that response to some degree that's like hey yes. let if people just are not having a good time with this let's let them push forward but it I, it also sounds like it takes a lot of the bite out the game. I don't well, so maybe it does for uh, Rob I'll be curious when you get to this part like how you end up doing that. I found that once I accepted this is what it is, it right. actually was freeing in these sequences where it's like, all right, I'm going to participate and I'm going to be scared and I'm going to hide because that's what I'm here for. You're here like to play that's, that. That's, You're role here to play this is that. The me version of like giving names to characters and pretending yes. that they matter. Like, I I want to be scared. Like I'm sitting here in the dark by myself with headphones on and like a beer cuz like I want to like have you played get chased around the corner. Yet? <laughs> I know. I, I know. I yeah. I gotta find. Come play plasma, yeah, that, please, please. Yeah, I, I do. We will find a way to, to do that. Yeah, we should play whiskey really... and and hang out together tonight and play phasmophobia. That's that, you know that was. You said we I'll should play whiskey, so that's already <laughs> off to a great start. Rob, um, you did want to interject there with something though before we move on. Let me this. just finish this point, okay. which is yeah, it's yeah. just that uh, uh, it freed me to like to role play, and then once the spell was broken, which always happens in a horror game. I was free to just, all right, now I can just push forward to find the new part where I can start role-playing again. Right. And I found that that worked for me. I don't know if that'll work for everyone. And that's, I'll throw it to you, Rob, where I'm curious as someone that's like walking into this game with a hammer being like, fuck that part and fuck this part. <laughs> like, how, like, because you seem to have approached the game a little more academically of like, here's this curious object. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to poke at it. Um, but what you, what you were taken from it? So... Here's um, here's a thing that I do as an editor when I'm like working on stories a lot of times. A lot of times what people write in their first draft is not really what they're trying to do. Um, and a lot of times you will look at a thing and you'll be like, ah, so all this stuff, this stuff you wrote, and then here is what you actually wanted to say. What are you, like, what are you actually getting to in this piece? And Amnesia kind of feels like, to me at least right now, uh, the horror feels a little bit like a misdirection. This is a very sad game. This is a game that up front is about like grief and trauma and survivor's guilt. Um, and so to me, like, I guess I'm, I'm less in it for the spooks than like out of the gate. Um, it, it sort of tipped off the fact that like, this is about someone moving on from some profound losses and disappointments. 
and a feeling of responsibility for some of that. Uh, and so, like, for me, and also there's an element of, it's also an event reconstruction mystery. It's very, um, what this thing reminds me most of is, like, uh, frictional played Return of the Obra Dinn and watched Arrival and got fucking stoked and locked themselves in a room <laughs> and made this game. Uh, and that's kind of, like, in terms of what it's trying to do, that to me is is what it feels like. It's still it's still in the form of like, oh yeah, this is this is amnesia. But in terms of like what is it actually about, I don't think it's about horror and fear the way Amnesia the Dark Descent was. Where, where it was just totally about exploring dread and like not wanting to go, you know, out that door, not wanting to see what's in that room. This, all of that is just to give, I think, what is an interior exploration form. Uh, and so I think that like that is kind of I mean this is a game that dedicates a whole button to resting your hands on your stomach to talk and sing and interact with you know uh, like a gestating child like like you um, there are moments where to fully calm yourself there'll be like kind of a blue hue that that occurs on the screen which is an indication that your baby kicked and then at that point you can you hold uh, the B button or whatever the equivalent on the controller is or on the keyboard and you like hold your hands, you calm yourself down. Um, it's where a lot of like the, this game like tries to uh, solve like, what it, when you have just a single character, like how do you do storytelling? Uh-huh. Now they're unwilling to ditch random notes that f- people wouldn't write or leave around, even though like it's, the premise sets it up a tiny bit better, which is like, well, these are explorers that are sitting around and like archiving things. So like maybe it makes a little more sense that they would be writing like their, their the interiority of themselves down. I'm not sure that necessarily makes as much sense when they're writing that down when they're clearly being chased by monsters in weird parts of the desert. Um, but it, but, it, but the fact that there are like basically no character interactions in this game, uh, they how do you get a a character to express themselves and explain um, how they're feeling. Like one way they do that is there's like a diary. There's not a diary, but there's like a, a journal you can pull up where they're like do drawings that are like related to your objective. And then the other thing is that when the baby kicks, that also is an indication that one, you can calm yourself down. And two, there's a dialogue option. Like and that means that uh, Tasi will then speak to the child for a couple of lines that will explain how she's feeling, why mm-hmm. she's feeling, reacting to what just occurred or what what's coming up. And so they find a way for this uh, character to have an arc that is not just related to what they're running from or like the, the mystery element that Rob discussed of like you're piecing together why uh, things occurred the way they did through, you know, you know, the, the events you're stumbling upon and the pieces of paper that you're um, reading, like this character gets to have an emotional interiority by having a this child to talk to, which is you know very in line with you know how you know a lot of you know mothers go through um, you know the the pregnancy process. And just I would also add part of the intrigue for me is you're such an unreliable narrator. Um, oh yeah, this is not a spoiler. You know, you know from like, the jump, it's like Tossie, like hmm. Yeah, no, like Tossie mm. has memories of like what happened to the survivors of the plane crash. Like, right. oh, like, oh, here's a sketch I drew of this critical moment. And you're like, <laughs> you did what? You were, uh, excuse wait, me? you were that you were with the people that left the wounded behind. And like, Tossie, what's going on? There's a moment where she's like, oh, fuck, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, you weren't five what? minutes ago. <laughs> and like, it's just so there's like. There's lots of like the game real early on also drives home this notion of like 
for whatever reason, your memories are super unreliable or mm-hmm. possibly like your reality is prone to changing uh, in terms of like the emotional space you, you occupy. So that's that's to me is is what is interesting. We're like the dark descent is all like, fuck, was that a monster at the end of the hallway? Better run to the well lit room and like, you know, calm down there. This for me, it's much more like, OK, Tassi, what's what's really going on here? Midway through the game, it's revealed this is actually Soma 2, and all of the game that you played before was an ejected memory in a simulation. That's sure, not right. why not? I'm sure, they can, you if just they want to make keep... a fictional cinematic universe, they yeah, they, they yeah. do have an opening. Yeah, uh, to to do that, uh, I, a um, robot you cobble together from spare parts and springs and like other <laughs> ph- physics gadgets turns into a sentient being. And yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it does. Rob, I think what you're like pressing on is, and as much as I like some of the scares that happen in this game, especially towards the end, um, there's an enemy that, for uh, lack of a better descriptor, is like. Uh, like a, a dementor from Harry Potter turned into the fucking worst thing you've ever experienced. Um, and uh, they seem to be struggling with like their storytelling, I think is still really strong. I, I, I think the dark descent, you know, is, is them like figuring out the stories they want to tell. Soma is an incredibly strong story. And I think the, the rebirth has a really strong story, but they're struggling with like the form, like that they've <clears throat> become accustomed to and the stories they want to tell. And, the expectations of their audience and those th- three things are in conflict and in, I think interesting ways. And I think Re- rebirth is like so clearly them trying to figure out how do you juggle all of these, all of these moving pieces together. And in a lot of ways, like it doesn't like, it often feels like you're playing different games and they've been grafted on together and they found ways to staple them. So they're like, it works, but like, would this piece have been stronger if it was just in something else? Would this piece have been stronger if it was just in something else? If you took out all the running and hiding from monsters, it like even though I like that part and they find narrative ways to like quote unquote justify it, just like Soma, would this game be more not only more accessible to a wider audience, but even potentially more interesting if you could just focus on that part instead of the other bits? Maybe. Um, but it just it leaves frictional and just like a really fascinating place. I know they're working on two projects. Like they've openly said that, that they're the, and the other game is a non horror project, like whatever that means. And like, I'm just deeply curious to see what this studio does. If they broke free of what are clearly sort of, maybe I'm sure they like making these games. Like it's not purely just like, well, shit, you know, gotta go back to the horror minds and make another one of those. Um, It's part of the identity of, of the studio and what they want to do. Um, and from what I understand, a lot of people that were uh, in the the uh, Dark Descent fan community um, worked on Rebirth. Like they hired oh. a lot out of that community, which also may explain, you know, a lot of like the the like design legacy that carries into to Rebirth, and maybe why it wasn't a little more radical in some ways. But um, yeah, because I think if I wrote down like the story of Rebirth for for folks, explained like what what is like truly going on, like the like Rob, like when you get to I, I, I hope you find some way to like to, to get through it because there it is doing some like the, the the meta of what is actually occurring is fucking cool and 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 in some ways nearly as good as some of the stuff they were playing with in Soma when you find out like why things are occurring is just like truly genuinely horrifying and not in a scary monster way but it's just in like you want to just sit on the ground and just just like rock your head for <laughs> for a little while um, way. Um, but like getting to all that stuff is like really difficult, and 
I don't know that I have a uh, solution to that. It's interesting to watch them try and figure it out, but um, I do feel like it's a confused game on on how it. I don't know how it accomplishes all that it's trying trying to do within a framework that it's that it's playing with. Has any game really solved this? Because I think a lot of really good horror is deeply personal, right? Like a lot yeah. of it is about okay, yeah, the monster is real in this fiction, but the monster is also the manifestation of a character's dreads and like anxieties. Um, you know, like you know, Jaws is a shark. Yes, Jaws is also not just a shark. Um, but I, but I feel like in video game horror stories, I think you run into a couple problems. One is that because the player has so much control, it's hard to sustain those moments of tension that cinema can kind of pull off really effortlessly. Yeah. Where a camera just like there's a shot in um. By the way, have you ever seen uh, this old suspense movie called Cat People? Like 1930s. No, no, um, but I it sounds. I've heard of it. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Talk to me about cat people. I looked at the. I looked at some shots. And I was like, oh right, this. Yeah. So cat people is like a low budget like B horror movie uh, from like the 40s or whatever. But there are a couple moments that like just stick with you, even though nothing happens in them. One scene, uh, a woman goes down to the pool, uh, the the pool area of her apartment building. And while she's down there, it's beautifully lit uh, scene. The, the the pool is completely dark, except the water is lit from the uplights that are, that are at the bottom of the water. And so the entire scene is just like the shifting uh, shadows and light of the water of the light being shown through the water. And she becomes convinced that something has followed her down there into this room. And so she's standing there in the center of the pool, like clinging to this like literal like pool of light. Um, while she becomes increasingly convinced that like the shape shifting, like cat person, believe me, it's scary and evil. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> is, is down there with her and nothing is ever shown. All we hear are some like sound cues and then the camera panning around this room that like has the shifting light that like you can't make anything out. And the darkness is completely absorbing. It's black and white film. It's just like pools of, of black ink. And that scene can work because you're trapped with the camera's perspective. You can't, like, mm-hmm. she can't move. You can't move. You just have to live with that uncertainty. Video games are almost always, unless they're pulling the control out of your hands for a cutscene to appear, which has its own suspense-breaking uh, properties. Video games, you always can go out and, like, explore that shit. Um, and I think it becomes very hard to sustain those moments of tension. And so I think this is why so many video games end up creating these sort of... um Haunted houses that are mostly haunted by uh, the detritus of something else that happened before you got there. And I'm trying Mm -hmm. to think if there's any horror games that have really pulled that off where, like, you still arrive while the story is in flux, where it's not just a matter of solving a mystery of what happened. Because even Bioshock, right, is ultimately... 95% 95% of the action of Clean Bioshock yeah. is mm-hmm. yeah is over. You just arrive there to to you know put a bullet in the big hood ornament at the end. Um but like I'm trying to think of games that have, have done more than that. Alien Isolation arguably does uh to, to some mixed effect, but I'm not sure I think there's a lot the of horror games of, that have done uh, it. I think the best of the Silent Hill games do a really good job of this. There's still definitely a mm. lot of background horror elements or like Yes, this this city and the town's history and what happened with in the historical society or in the ch- or in the the church or in the hospital. But those moments where things get bad, when Silent Hill happens, when the clacks and sound 
or the, the siren sound, the klaxons are on, everything starts to rust or, or, or kind of, uh, you know, fall into this other state. When, for instance, in Silent Hill 2, Pyramid Head shows up and you just get a glimpse of the dude and then you're like, okay, I got to get the fuck out of here. That feels very of the moment. And a lot of what that does, a lot of that re- returns to uh, having, um, you know, pre-rendered uh, or not pre-rendered in that case, but set camera angles, uh, limited control uh, options. It, it really takes, so it, it's not Bioshock. Bioshock feels good to play yeah. in this, in this. The original Resident Evil, thing. right? Totally. Like part of totally. like Resident Evil, like, you know, and what RE, the RE2 remake tried to like split the difference on is like, how do you mm-hmm. like those fixed camera angles were, you know, that, that was, it's super uh, important. For that, it was a framing device for where you didn't know what was, you couldn't peek around a hallway. Like the hallway is a static JPEG or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like whatever's around the hallway is around the hallway. And you need to go around that hallway to see it. And that like if you go and look at old images of the original Resident Evil or the remake on, on GameCube, like you can see how like that was part of the artistry was that they were able to use some of cinema. Like when we talk right. about like the good parts of cinema, like in fusing video game, like that is an instance where it's like, oh, like when you have fixed camera control, like you can do things with it that you just can't do once it becomes a free floating camera. And then at that point you are much more reliant on yeah, like AI patterns producing jump scares and other things because you have to have things that occur dynamically as opposed to being sort of like authored by the designer themselves. Yeah. Also um, every conversation in a good Silent Hill game is Okay, um, this is this is weird. This person is talking to me like nothing is like there are things that are wrong in the town, but we're not talking about the monsters <laughs> that we've run into. We're not talking about the bodies you we've they seen. They ran out of milk down the street. Right, that's exactly again. It. Again, they're out of milk. I'm sick of not having any pizza. Do you know where I could get some pizza, Mister? And you're like, okay, is this about to be a boss fight? And here's the thing, like 30% of the time, and the pizza, it's about pizza to be. spills out of his fingers. Right, yeah, and he turns he's holding the, pizza. the pizza creature. Right, he's a pizza creature now. I could just eat myself. I guess, right, exactly. And I think that that is the equivalent of that cat people uh, pool scene, as you've talked about. It's like any encounter with another human in that game. It's like, is this about to break as bad as anything has ever broken before? Um, but But that is taking the control away from the player. But I do think that structurally in terms of the game's you know layout and rhythm that's that's probably as close as i can think of something getting there or really anytime the silent hill sirens start playing and you're in that secondary mode of like all right this could be a sequence where all i'm doing is walking down a hallway or climbing some stairs and in fact there's no combat but i feel like i'm in the most horrific moment of my life and other times it's like, okay, I'm going to be in this for a minute now. I'm stuck in the school and there's going to be lots of enemies and blah, blah, blah. And I think that open-endedness plays towards that a little bit. But that style of horror game just barely exists anymore. I think that those RE remakes are great, but I don't think that they ever made me scared in that same way. That well, original- RE7 is the closest they got to sure. well, recapturing yeah. that. Like and RE7 seven- – is reminds me of Alien Isolation and that the innovation yeah. is, oh, you're just going to be hunted. Here's how we reintroduce <laughs> the suspense of like a monster movie. Right. We have now populated the space with enemies that will sort of relentlessly hunt you once you enter their uh, like their territory, basically. I love RE7. Dude, like, RE7 is so scary. I, but also like, like – And it does it with combat. Like that's the thing that is um, like really interesting. And in some ways I sort of wonder if Frictional in the future would – like drop the 
Like you can't interact with the creatures or the monsters. Like maybe this would give them more space to to do something else in in the in the worlds that they're they're playing in. Because like Ari Seven found, like found a way to do both. Now I think the last third of that game gets really action heavy and boring, but I think the first two thirds are are brilliant because it manages to like drop you into a place, make you feel isolated, scared, has all the stuff that we're we're discussing where you go into a space and feel hunted, and yet you still have like ways of of fighting back, and it it manages to like juggle all those things together. Um, without like one winning out over the other in a way that, you know, the RE series does by RE, you know, four, right, five, six, right. uh, et cetera. Um, um, uh, yeah, horror is hard. Horror is hard in video game form is like the long and <laughs> short of it. I'm sorry to uh, ask again because uh, I had to get up and get some food that was being delivered, but you were talking about the, like, a, a lack of uh, camera control specifically being uh, something that, cinema like horror cinema uses but games don't necessarily as much is that what no no, we 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 got there we we talked about like silent hill and and stuff like that taking away camera control from the player as a way of doing i just wanted to make sure because i was going to bring up like the big popular one now is five night at freddy's sure right yeah which is which is a jump scare factory like Like, that that game is explicitly designed where you are fixed camera angles yeah you are in a space and you know that it's coming. Right. And it's actually why I like, like jump scare jump scares got like a bad rap that um because they're used often like really cheaply. Um but and they are used cheaply in Five Nights at Freddy's, but that's the point. Right. Like you that's are loading are this for. game to have a loud noise and an image pop out at you, and you know it's coming. Like the cheap jump scare is often like you don't know it's coming. It's just there because they don't know what else to do. Right. Like Five Nights at Freddy is brilliant because no, that's the whole fucking point. Like you know, walking in, there's no surprise. You know what's coming. Right. It's the jump and you scare. Also, and you also know when you. It's fucked a failure up. state. Yeah, it's because exactly. you fucked up. Yeah, like you, you like, oh shit! Like they were in that camera a second ago, and now they're not. I know it's gonna happen. When is it gonna happen? Ah, um, yeah. yeah. And that's 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 just great. I I don't like I don't like playing those games, but I think they're they're. Uh, like I played it for like an hour and I was like, I get it. Like I'm good, but I really enjoyed that hour. I understand the appeal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Cause like Friday Night is I understand like socially while they're popular. Cause they're kind of like playing. A, it's like a, in some ways almost like a modern Ouija board. Like it's like, all right, we're going to sit here and play this thing and I'm waiting for it to spook me. And it's like, I know it's coming. And like, how is it going to happen? And because that's the whole expectation that you're just going to get, you know, got, you kind of get got. weird. Well, yeah, it's like Chuck the, e. cheese. the, Especially when the when the new one was cut, like when the new ones were coming out pretty quickly, there was also always kind of like different rules with what would make things like when things would move in the space. That would so like when you were like once you knew kind of um, what the rules of the first game were, the ones that came out after it was like a new puzzle of like okay when when do the when do the Right, the animatronics When's the bird move thing gonna show when up? is right, it gonna right. show up? Like how often do when I have the to be checking got in? Really- yeah, that too. Like the lore is like sustained <laughs> that series other, yeah. to a high degree too. Like it go. If, I know this is maybe gonna sound like bullshit if you haven't like spent any time with this series. But like go look up some YouTube videos. Like like a huge part of each new release was like what is going on in this right. meta story. Like it has a it has a deep history. Um, like up until this point, I, you know, I, I think there's not many. They're not making as many of them these days. But there's there's a whole bunch of them. There's there was a that long, one long, announced during the was that the PS5. Uh, yes. Right? Yes. Like, yeah, there was. I think it's PS5. People care about yep. that series. Like, that happens. People, you know. 
people get their thing. They come into horror for the first time with Five Nights at Freddy's. You know, it's going to be important to them. Not my thing, but, you know, more power to you. Absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. Unless there's any final thoughts here on Amnesia, we should take a break and come back and talk about something else. All right. Actually, they should let me get in that tank and drive it around a little bit and, like, hunt the monsters <laughs> in, the, like, the Phantom Zone in an antique tank. I think that's Patrick. You're wondering how can like frictional like change it up and like figure out mm-hmm. how you solve these tension Tanks. problems. The limited perspective of a tank, like oh shit, there's a scary monster out there, but all I've got is this little viewport and this gun sight, <laughs> and you just blast them. So you haven't fin- you haven't finished that part, right? No. Okay. Are you going to keep playing? Oh yeah. Okay. All right. There's okay when you probably one of my favorite sequences in in the game uh, is is at the conclusion of that. Uh, tank section so i'll be i'll be curious what you we'll have to talk about it when you when you encounter it um okay let's take a break i, I uh oh, what's up oh were we still talking oh, <laughs> I, I, was <laughs> sure. I thought we were maybe i was wrong <laughs> i don't know i'll figure it out When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. All right, we're back. Y'all see Nintendo's doing another limited release thing? I didn't realize this was a limited release thing, but that makes me want to talk Is this about Disney it. Disney now? They were Disney, did Nintendo Disney now. Putting things back in the vault? Back in the vault. Well, this is weird because they're, they're not just pulling something out of the vault in this case they're relocalizing something uh, or, or localizing it for the first time um the the fire emblem fire emblem the dark the dark dragon and the sword of light uh which no shadow dragon please no dark dragon and the sword of light uh sorry you're right shadow dragon you're right and the blade of light <laughs> You like you got it all. I got it all mixed up. Listen, (laughs) you like you. Not only did you say no, Patrick, you asshole. Like you're getting it wrong. You got it wrong in two places. Dark and sword. Uh, (laughs) You know, I think I I swapped the S from shadow over to blade. I was like, that basically says sword. Tell me more about (laughs) Fire Emblem Spider Man. Turn on the dark. Uh, (laughs) God, the fact that we don't have a full recording of any of the variation uh, productions of that show is upsetting to me to this Wait, day. Wait, for real? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no full recording there's of no, any of the Not Tamar. that I've ever been able to find anywhere. Uh, <sighs> there's like that performance from the Letterman show of that one song and then like a handful of smaller things and people don't know there was a Spider-Man musical that had a bunch of variations. Legendarily uh, cursed. Just nightmarish, just bad from the top. They tried to rewrite it, add songs, remove songs, and People kept costuming. getting injured, right? People like, kept getting seriously hurt because it was very well, stunt So Julie Taymor... Yeah. we're doing it. We're we can't. It. We, no, can't. we can't. We can't. We can't. We can't. Just go look it up. There's great pieces about it. Go look it up. If you Google Spider-Man, turn on the turn on the dark. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Turn on the dark. Do do do. That's how it goes. Yeah. 
That's how. It, that is definitely what it would have become eventually. Yeah. Um, Who's the Edge yeah. who did the entire sound? Like Bono and it, right? and the Edge. Yeah, yeah both uh-huh. both U two produces. Anyway, um, Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, and the Blade of Light, uh, the original uh, uh, Marth game, uh, comes out on where is it? Let's see here, December fourth, twenty twenty, for six bucks uh, on Switch, which is weird because. <clears throat> One, it's not just part of your like free Nintendo. If you're if you are subscribed to their Nintendo Online, NES games for the service, Nintendo Online, whatever they call that full service, um, it is a separate downloadable thing for six bucks, and it will only be available until March thirty first, twenty twenty one. So there are again well, doing limited things. See, it and, makes sense. and some it's of it makes sense. Like they're doing the physical. Well, they're doing the physical release, right? Which that like, comes with yeah. a. They're taking the NES manual. They're translating it. There's like a map in there. Like I, I get, I Wait, get the. You know, you said map. Like just like you're like, I get it though, man. I get it. There's a map in there. Mm. That's cool as shit. When, that's like that. Th- that's why you do a limited run. Like I get that being a limited run. Like do you need to do like the translated NES manual and like in like like map reproduction for till the end of time? Like I understand that being like a six month run or, or, or whatever. Um, but I don't understand this eShop bullshit. Like I really don't. I mean, I do because it yeah. forces people to buy it, you know, ahead, was, you know, instead of waiting. But it's garbage. The other one? When was the other one happening? Mario Which All-Stars. Other one? Mario, yeah, 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 but Mario like, All-Stars. is it also March 31st? Yeah. Uh, yes, I do. But I want to say that the seems Super weird Mario- to me. <laughs> Mario 3D All-Stars March. Are they about to drop another Switch or some yes. shit? So Mario Mario 3D All-Stars March 2021 the Mario 360 or uh uh fuck what's that one I called? do think the, we'll um, see another switch next year that's my that's my that's my I call agree shot. I agree I agree with you um that other Mario game the the one the what was it called 365 I don't know the, the battle royale one that also only runs till 35 March as right? well uh yeah March uh, Mario 35 that is also March so now we're getting this increasing evidence like what's up with March 31st yeah, yeah. Mario. Being like a fiscal year it's, end it could be a and then thing. yeah <laughs> yeah Mario 358 over two days. That's all. Um, so <laughs> or April gonna, 1st, the asteroid. Oh, the, the asteroid's going to hit. And they know. Yeah. And they're like, we're going to get all the money we can beforehand so we can build a, a rocket ship and get out of here. Wait, it'll take how long to release these funds to our personal? Oh, no. <laughs> um, it's okay. They can borrow against it knowing that they have the funds coming mm, in. Banks don't true. care. Uh, the thing that's weird to me, too, about this is this game, this game got a remake, I believe, on the DS. Uh, just What's called like? Shadow Dragon, uh, yeah, hundred percent. That had like new graphics, and I don't know, I don't love the way it looked. It looks kind of like one of those bad mobile ports of a JRPG. Do you know what I mean? Everything's kind of fuzzy mm-hmm. and grounded in a gross way. Um, but it existed, and it did get localized then by eight four. Eight four localized this game once already. So the fact that they're they're doing a new game, I I, I my guess is it's a new localization because that's how the trailer talks about it. Look at this great art though. What's that? The ori- the original? The, no, I like, just pasted tr- it in our chat. Oh, okay, let me see here. Let's. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's video games to me, baby. Mm-hmm. That's anime. That's someone being like, I can make an a manga style cover for this game. Um, oh wow! I yeah. presume this is a brand new internal treehouse translation localization. Right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't. Weird. Yeah. It's it is weird, um, but the fact that it's only going to be limited, uh, it's a that's a bummer. Like I don't know why you do all that work and then only sell it for a few months, you know. So, I, 
who knows? Um, yeah. They haven't they haven't answered any questions. You know, like the, you know, there's been a lack of interviews. You know, just yeah. in general lately, yeah. other than like Phil Spencer being out there. But I would love. I just want to hear the tortured explanation. I don't, I'm not I'm not expecting to get an actual <laughs> sort of response, but I, I would love to hear what is the tortured explanation for the march. 31st and and maybe it is as simple as there will be a new switch and like a radically different online service and yeah. then maybe this will make sense in 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 some way which is weird because this is coming so much later but still has the exact same end date so yes yeah december yeah. 4th to march 31st this, this 3d all-stars is september whatever to the 31st then um uh, mario 35 was october early october to March 31st. The fuck is, I feel like I'm in a horror movie yeah. and like numbers are appearing everywhere. And in this case, it's March 2021. It's March 2021. What's happening? Who could say? Anyway, talking about some other video games before we wrap up. Rob, uh, I know last time you wanted to talk about this, but let's talk about it today. Airborne Kingdom, uh, which is a PC city builder, but also you got a big plane. It's where it. The city is a big plane, or I guess a big helicopter, a big airship. Is that fair? Big airship, yeah. Okay, yeah. Tell me about Airborne Kingdom. Yeah, so I think we, uh, I think we talked about this a little bit uh, during one of the many like replacement E three events uh, where trailers are being shown. But this is kind of a, right. uh, it's got a really cool art style. Uh, sort of your city floats over an abstract map, but everything has a. Uh, very model-like look. Uh, everything has a really good, like, tactile appearance. It's sort of tilt-shifted. Uh, there, there's a lot of um, sort of abstraction in the way the things are represented. And the map, of course, itself is, a, is an abstraction where, where basically the, the terrain you're, you're flying over is effectively like a mosaic. Um, and sort of like we talked about when, when it was shown... The art style really works. It has a, has a really cool style. Um, the conceit is that you are... It's kind of a homeworld vibe, really. Your people found this tapestry uh, that showed them the secrets of, like, flight. Of taking their entire civilization to flight. And the world is sort of post-apocalyptic. Not in the sense that everything is, like, destroyed or ruined. But it is a fallen world. Uh, where sort of an age of uh, wonders is past and everyone sort of lives among the ruins. And it turns out this you're, the people in that uh, go on to found the Airborne Kingdom, they come across a tapestry that shows, oh shit, there used to be like a flying city, a civilization in the sky that kind of made this entire world work. Uh, that were kind of like going around and they sort of united all the various different cultures and uh, cities of this world. And they sort of like created a global society uh, with, uh, you know, via the airships. And so with the, you know, stuff they got out of this tapestry, they take flight. They launch their own uh, airship and they uh, begin building homes and, uh, you know, factories in the sky. And the nifty thing is that it's a city builder you're flying an airship around, but like if you keep building out to like the, uh, you know, starboard side of the airship, it will tilt and people yeah. don't want to live in a tilty fucking airship. 
Like people no. don't live in the sky, but like you don't want to be like just you don't want to be like in a, locked in this permanent bank. No, I'm uh, watching. I'm watching some gameplay footage, and there's like a big central hub on this one ship with yeah. a propeller, set of propellers underneath the middle, and they're like building out a wing basically, and it looks like it's gonna fucking fall, dude. I don't want to. I would not want to do anything over there at all. Yeah. So, like, the thing is, you gotta keep growing the city and expanding it, but, like, some of your more advanced buildings are really fucking heavy, and so, like, the minute you plant one of these, like, the ship just, like, suddenly drops its ass, you know, and, like, the bow comes all the way up, and people are like, I hate this, I'm leaving. Um, Fair. And so, the other thing is that... Wait, where are they gonna go? To these other cities on the ground. Like, How do they get out? Uh, people have got mad gliders. Um, okay, this okay, is the thing. Okay. So you're flying around, and I'm curious where this game is going to go with this. Ultimately, my reservation is here. I'm not. My reservation here is that I'm not sure this is going to be much of a city builder because there wasn't a lot of systemic friction in the several hours I played. Um, okay. Like your city just kind of gets bigger. And, like, while you have these constraints, they're not hard to work around. Like, you kind of build out concentrically and balance stuff around. It's it's not that hard to sort of keep the city functioning pretty well. Um, the, the big thing you're up against is that your city flying through the air, uh, you don't have a lot of capacity to build resources yourself. And so right. there's kind of a weird thing where you're flying over the, the air... And you begin sending resource gatherers out on their gliders. And it's like a plague of fucking locusts where, like, you see forests. <laughs> and you're like, well, wood is one of my primary, like, building materials. And I'll so you see, wood. like, a waterfall of gliders descending toward the forest. And the forest begins shrinking. You will find a beautiful lake. And you're like, my people thirst. And again, the gliders swoop down. And you will see the lake just drain into a dry bed. Um, so when they found that, when they found that thing that that showed the uh, the that there was an ancient unifying global uh, society, are, are we sure that wasn't some sort of empire ruled from on yeah. high? By, it's like the British Empire discovering a picture of a dreadnought, and they're like, <laughs> yeah. "Oh, see, we made it all work. We did. This was everyone was happy about this." Was all flying under the flag all of the societies queen. were brought under. They were in communication with each other, and we just sort of floated above, bringing joy. Uh, and hmm. I am kind of curious. Yeah, about I just, I, I just again, I'm watching some gameplay footage, and this tooltip just popped up. A nearby forest has been emptied by workers. <laughs> like, oh, okay, cool. I so, guess along the way, you keep going to these like settlements and. You get, you get more workers by going to towns and be like, who wants to go join the flying city? And people are like, ooh, ooh, me, me, me. And so you get more workers that way. And then you go around to the cities and they all have like um, narrative stuff for you to do okay. and usually some quests. So like uh, one, like in the starting zone, the first place you go you used to have like a sacred forest. You have to help them replant their sacred forest. Yeah, you don't cut this one down. Uh, you help them replant this one and sort of bring back uh, the the sacred forest that was like uh, the engine of their way of life. Um, which, okay, cool. But I'm, I'm curious where all this is going to go because as you play the game, you kind of need to keep outstripping your consumption of resources and the entire thing begins to take on a really strong Mortal Engines vibe. 
of like mm. your city keeps getting bigger and bigger and its burn rate of resources keeps increasing. And so you start like strapping on more engines so you can just go rotting across the, the barren wastes and find the next forest or lake and just gobble that shit up. Is there a big world map or are you just kind of going forward through a linear huge world map? Okay. Uh, and so you, you can, can change sort of your doing things. heading and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. And you'll sort of be plotting like, um, I want to say there's even some wind current. So like some directions are harder to go than others, but, okay. uh, um, the, so you'll end up having to do some exploration. And then once you've done some exploration, you will have these quests you can fulfill and you'll have to think about like, what's the route I want to fly to fulfill all of these without burning through my resources too badly. So that's kind of where the where the challenge comes in. Uh, what it reminds me a lot of is I think a lot of the charms of it are similar to like that of Sunless Skies, for instance, where sure. predominantly this is about going places and talking to people and like getting sort of a, uh, you know, fresh dump of fiction. But I think where it's going to struggle a little bit is that. Sunless Skies makes up for sort of a um, thinness of mechanical complexity by just loading up on narrative. Like, this is kind of the fail better way, right? Of, like, our games, pretty straightforward. But our fiction, you know, they wheel in a giant, like, cannon loaded with, uh, you know, with fiction and flavor. Here, it's a little narrower than that. It feels like it has a story to tell, not, like... A hundred. And so you're left kind of playing a city builder that I think needs a little more pushback to make this thing all hold together. Uh, but I think the thing I will say to that is. There's sometimes an expectation that city builder is one of those forever type games where like I should just always have shit I want to do with my city. I think city skylines kind of goes in this direction of like, you can always fuck with it. There's always stuff for you to do. Um, I think I was sort of surprised how much I did enjoy like playing five or six hours with this game. Uh, and I did start to feel like I could see the limits of it a little bit clearly, but for five or six hours, it was a lot of fun. You know, it was, it was pretty charming. It was just enough. It was just fiddly cool. enough to sort it's of hold also, my interest. It is early access, right? Or am I wrong about that? Or is it out? Yeah, it's early. Uh, but okay. it's, I think it's coming out like in a month or two. Okay, so it's uh, so a lot it's closer like, to to the end than you yeah. This ain't this ain't like an alpha where it's like here's our concept. <laughs> I think it's a little bit. It's further along than that. Uh, gotcha. But also, like there are multiple zones that I did not see in this game. So like sure. the entire you sort of shade in your tapestry as you go along. Like how can we fill in the rest of these gaps? There's entire regions that you you visit that I haven't gone to yet. That I I hope we'll unpack a little more of like what is happening both mechanically and narratively. Gotcha. Well, I, I it's so pretty that it's hard for me to That's be like, it's just gorgeous. Some of the stuff here too, where like it has the sort of um, not diegetic, but like baked in subtitles or like location names where you're like looking down at a place and it says like, Oh, this is the tower of Omash or whatever. And it's just like written into the world in a way that's very, very, very pretty. Um, I, it's just good vibes. Yeah, yeah. I might check this out. This seems this seems fun. Um, briefly, I uh, on Kato's recommendation went back and started started to play Tenderfoot Tactics, which I'm enjoying quite oh, a yeah. bit. Kato, have you put more time into that? Yeah, I have. I uh, beat my first uh, spirit fight, which was hard as hell. But um, I think I found one of those. There's yeah. like 
it's uh was it cat are you fighting are you fighting cat or is it a different yeah, I was one fighting, i was fighting cat <laughs> that's where i saved i saved at the cat fight it's not a cat it's just a big it's like a big gangly spirit with a huge smiling face named cat named cat um, yeah it's very good um yeah and that fight that was the that was the one that i uh encountered first and died to but i finally went back and after having done some other exploring and finding a, a town for a bit like messing mm. around in there um was able to beat it uh and really enjoy the the way that the spirits uh fights end up going it's just like uh you you're fighting kind of these uh different classes that are like associated with the spirit mm. that um uh like you're not fighting the spirit itself the spirit's just kind of there commenting which is very funny uh and Specifically, Cat goes through this kind of uh, almost existential like questioning of uh, the the boundaries between us and it, mm-hmm. and which I thought was a really interesting uh, like conversation to put during a boss battle, but also kind of like really drills down the point, like like one of the main themes of this game being uh, like the distance between. Uh, different civilization and like different people and like what that how that distance is delineated like right now it's like the fog kind of blurring everything into one giant mass and mm-hmm. um you know it's it's neat i like really um i i, I i'm in the i'm in a mo- in a in a mode right now where i'm like really kind of grinding almost huh. um which is because is that one of those endless fights no, no, just like okay. walking around and like trying to pick the right fights. I've learned that you can kind of tell which fights are uh going to be too hard for you. Like you see enemies kind of like radius like awareness circle huh. and they're yeah, different yeah, yeah. colors depending on how what the difficulty is oh, going to be. Okay. So I've been kind of like avoiding the like red ones and like trying to like just like explore the map a bit and like find ones that I can still take on uh without uh losing because there there were a couple where i did before i realized that where i had taken like a long route around on on the boat uh there doesn't seem or i haven't run into any encounters in the water yet um but i took like a long route around just to see the other side of this continent and uh Mm -hmm. ended up in some fights that like i lost like there was no there was no chance there was no way i was ever even if i retried them a million times i also got into this one really amazing fight I mean, it's not amazing. It's actually kind of a dumb bug. I got into this fight. I got into this uh, fight with like a regular ass group of enemies that had a couple of healers. Mm-hmm. The fight ends up with everyone dead except one of their healers and my archer. My archer and can you, only yeah. hit for half of that uh, enemy's health at a time, and the enemy could heal no. half of its this health. This sucks. This nope. is brutal. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing about this game, though. Something about the like mode that I'm playing this game in. By which you mean you're the mode of self, not yeah. some option. Yeah, not, yeah, no, yeah. Not, not like the game mode, but like the yeah, the yeah, way yeah. the way that I'm like uh, thinking You're kind about of meditative, the things, yeah, yeah, state that you kind of described in the last episode. Yeah, yeah. 
the way I'm thinking about this game and magic and stuff, I was like, I just, I, I, this game has just created a myth of an endless battle, uh-huh. right? Like this, this myth of this, these two characters running around in this wood, the archer shooting, but never being able to find the killing blow and the healer running and running and healing and healing endlessly. I played it out for like 40 minutes just to make sure there was no way out. And it was not, I had to like restart that, that oh. fight, but like, but I ended up leaving that being like, that was cool. That was great. Added like that my was own like this personal tapestry. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, which is kind of a great headspace like that this game like brings out, which I fucking love. Um, yeah. How are you been enjoying uh, your time having so put, far? Yeah. One of the things that we didn't talk about last week or earlier this week uh, on this episode or about this game uh, is just how like striking the music is. Yeah. Um, the yeah. music in a fight like starts kind of mellow but throughout the course of the play of play it can get very like um almost like cacophonous like things can really pick up and there are like you know bells or gongs going off uh, in in this kind of like overwhelming sense uh the drums get added um it, it can become like very intense as the fight continues uh, and in general, the atmosphere of these fights, even though they're kind of small grid-based things and these kind of, I'm guessing, proc-gen, you know, small maps yeah. and, and everything even, is very tight. Like, everything is skirmish-sized. We're not talking about XCOM-style big tactics, tactical no, maps no. or Fire Emblem-style. We're talking about something more in the in the size of, like, an Into the Breach or a Banner Saga, uh, but with more elevation and and stuff like that. Uh, and, and yeah, I, I, it is, it is a even really proc gen cool if you restart a battle, like it doesn't oh, okay. keep the same map. So that makes sense. Yeah, that no. makes sense. Um, I'm definitely, I'm like at the point where I'm trying to decide how much I like the combat versus just being in the world. Mm-hmm. I need to spend like I need to spend like three hours getting into the same mode you're in and just like letting it go and maybe putting on a podcast or something because I do think that there is at this early point like I have my favorite units I like certain abilities I got that passive that gives you and like kind of an overwatch attack when someone tries to move away yeah. from you that's really good and I'm starting to like differentiate my goblins um but i love to differentiate <laughs> one's goblins yeah. uh, uh and that's really fun and I'm, i am definitely like oh i think this person's going to become a witch of the wood and this person's going to become a knight and blah 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 um uh but i am also at the point where i'm like i'm not getting i'm finding most of the fights to be pretty straightforward so far and like seeing what the solutions are in terms of making sure my people start over here and that like i take these fights one-on-one or or, or you know two or three on one you know when i can um, uh, so I, my guess is like, if I start challenging some harder fights that might add, uh, to some of the enjoyment for me, but I'm also just like, I kind of wish there was a mode. Th- this is the developer of Eidolon, which is a really great open world, like, uh, walking sim exploration, sur- light survival game that came out, mm-hmm. I want to say six or seven years ago. Um, um, during that, that kind of boom of the genre, uh, that is, was fantastic. And part of me is like, Hmm, do I kind of wish... I had gotten to play a version of this that was less focused on the combat and more just on the world and stuff. Um, I don't know, maybe. So so that's kind of where I I'm think, at with it. But I think part of the thing that helped me was realizing that I could travel through water relatively unscathed. Yeah. And I started yeah. just exploring around, like exploring all the edges and finding finding the town. Like trying to get to other like uh, characters was really um kind of like because I at first I was in a, a similar spot where I was like this like seems really cool but 
making like kind of a beeline towards the center, like just fighting through the fog uh, started to get a little repetitive. But I think yeah. like finding different fights by going around in the ocean, I would definitely just uh, um, recommend that you like explore more with the boat uh, because like the enemy types also start changing. Like you start seeing new stuff, even if you haven't leveled and stuff. And that's, uh, it starts to become a little more um, interesting in different areas than like the starting area. And I think that's, that's really where the game starts to shine. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to put more time into it this weekend for sure. Um, Anything else anyone want to shout out before we wrap things up today? I have another, I have a real quick one. Totally. Um, um there's this um a game called promessa which is by a uh, italian developer which is really kind of like a i mean i guess you would call it like a tone piece or something um uh it would be at home it's one of those uh games that would be at home in like an art gallery although it's a little maybe a little too long for that setting but uh it, it's a really really neat um kind of um the closest thing i would uh, uh like say is a walking sim but it's really um it really has a really great sense of like the way that memory is constructed and recalled and the kind of messy ways that um uh you know me- uh, remembering over a long period of time can change uh, a thing so there's a lot of repetition of space but you know small things change and like different uh the con the the context of it changes a lot and it's like really it it felt the most like actual dreamlike states where like when when you enter like a dreamlike state in the game it often goes like hallucinogenic which i find is maybe like too far for like the dream like a lot of the dreams i even remember is more like this is weird this is off and odd but it's still based in mm-hmm. like the reality i've had like it's my mind messing up things that i remember and this kind of really uh really gets to that sense and it is also a very kind of touching um look at memory after a long life and like someone coming to the the end of their memory and um it's a short little 45 minute thing that you can actually replay cool. multiple times because there's different like scenes that you can get um and, and presumably I, uh it's named for just the word promise not for yes. the puerto rican like oversight whatever bill no no this is the federal a, government a lot of power oh, no. this is okay. a, a italian okay. Uh, developer with um, okay, okay. a background heritage from South America. Gotcha. The the text is in Spanish if you just play straight, but there's option there's subtitles in English and Italian okay. as well. So, um, yeah, it was uh, really cool. Awesome. Uh, cool. I will well, save. Uh, I have a mess with the Mario Kart in real life thing in Oculus Quest Two. <gasps> we can save that for next week. Shit. But uh, uh, I do want to uh, shout out Disc Room, which is a game that launched today from several mm. developers that worked on Minute. Um, the really good, like, you know, uh, puzzle game about time from, was that last year? Was that last year? Was that two years ago? I don't remember. Um, but a- anyway, Disc Room is, you watch the trailer, I think you're going to get more anxious than you should. Uh, Disc Room, uh, the premise is that uh, we have discovered uh, something off, uh, off of a planet, and you go there, the scientists oh, go there, cool. and it's just... 
It's just rooms full of sharp discs that want to <laughs> kill you. That's all that's there. And um, the trailer just like shows uh, like these little uh, flubby scientists like trying to get around and just getting brutalized by all of these like really sharp discs going on in the room. And it it like pitches itself as like this really intense um, like twitchy action game. And there are elements of that, but I think it betrays um, the the more like chill vibes that actually uh, exist in this game about guiding a, a character trying to avoid um, a bunch of uh, razor sharp objects that are uh, trying to uh, destroy them because it's actually a puzzle game. And right. so that adds up. So the way disc room works is that you go into these discrete rooms. You can pull up a map. Um, and so you like you, it's almost like, a, a the layout is like smash TV where you go into a room and then there are doors to other rooms. And the thing is to open those other doors, you have to accomplish certain tasks within that room. So it's not so much that like, uh, hang out in this room for as long as you can and get a high score based on the pattern. It's, um, get killed by three different types of discs. And so it may be that when the room starts, there's only a certain type of sharp disc and you have mm-hmm. to survive 10 seconds for this new disc to appear out of the floor. And so then that becomes sort of uh, the object of, of that room. Um, there are sort of like meta goals where it's like in this section of six rooms, you need to survive for 120 seconds. And so it's not just 120 huh. seconds. It's that you need to like... um your high score in each room needs to then add up to 120 seconds. So maybe in right. one room you can only survive six seconds, but another room you're really good at the pattern and you can survive 45 seconds. Maybe you, st- you, you stick around in that room for a little bit longer or you get two seconds more in the six-second room. Um, you start getting these powers like a dash that lets you like slide through the discs. You can clone yourself. So you can have like six versions of yourself and whatever one is still alive, you regain control of and then can start recloning yourself again to survive an area. Um, it's really smart. It's really funny. It's really clever. Um, and, and I, I, it's like the trailers are not explaining what the game is about, but I think it, I think it has more appeal than it might seem, um, on just sort of like, uh, by just glancing at what, what like you were sort of doing moment to moment. It's actually, I find a game that I really enjoy, uh, just like chilling with for a little while. It's like, all right, well, I'm going to try and yeah. go in this room for a couple extra seconds or try and accomplish this goal or, um, you know, like there'll be like a boss where, uh, you know, <laughs> there's a, a sequence where like one of the discs you're trying to get killed by um, only appears when you have the boss down to its like final bit of health. So like the way the the, the room works is that there are these little objects being uh, dropped uh, around and every time you pick one up, that like hits the boss for um, for one hit. And so it's like, you want to collect like 40 of these. And once you've done that, you get them down to their final form where they only need to be hit one or two more times. But then you want to be killed in that final form because that's what lets you check off that you've gotten killed by that disc. So there are all these just really, it's really fun. It has a very, um, um, minute had a very fun sense of humor as well. And I was going to say, you, you see a lot like of that half in of the minute team, with half yeah, I don't of the think team. it's exactly a minute, but it's, it's a lot it's, of the it's, folks that so worked it's, on it. Yeah, so it's two of the folks who worked on Minute, Kitty Callis and JW. JW, you might also know from Vlambeer formerly, now that Vlambeer is done, but JW is half of Vlambeer. Mm-hmm. Kitty Callis also has worked on other stuff, including like big budget stuff like Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, but the other half of the team is Doswan and uh, Terry Vellman, who, who worked on two kind of first person shooter. Um, like Roguelite is like the wrong word. It's I think it's true for both of them, but it's more, I guess maybe not one of them, I think had had distinct levels but but uh run-based games 
um, that had unique first person like resource management uh, mm-hmm. uh, stuff, uh, Heavy Bullets, which I remember really liking back in 2014, and then High Hell, which was like incredibly stylish, ridiculous, over the top first person shooter with a very kind of cartoonish vibe. You might remember that as being the game what had all the cocaine in it. <laughs> um, uh, one of many, I guess. Uh, um, uh, and, and seeing those two groups of people come together to make this makes a lot of sense to me. Um, it, I guess, wow, yeah, there's a bundle that is just heavy bullets minute, which I love. I love minute high hell disc room and nuclear throne for 25 bucks on steam right now, which that sounds like a good deal to me. There's a, um, there's a, there's another room in disc room that is, it's just pitch black. There's just you can't see any of the of the <laughs> objects on, in there. So it's just it out. survive as long computer. as I, I haven't cracked. You need to survive for six seconds, like which isn't mm. that long. But you can't see anything. And I, I tried going in there with different powers. It's like all right, well I'll just keep dashing in different directions. Hopefully that'll be enough. I went in there one time where you can uh, with the cloning ability. And it's like I'll just keep cloning myself and I'll I'll get through. Didn't yeah. work. I have a different ability where you can. Um, you tried just standing still. What if they're not yes. moving? Yes. Okay. Yes. And it is. There is. <laughs> I do. But well, and I guess it's. I can't tell if everything is how much is random and how much is determined. Um. So I, like I don't. I yeah. Like I don't know. I've gotten it down to like four point two seconds. Like that's the longest I've been able to get uh. Uh, survive in there. Um. But I, I my guess is because this is true. Um. Throughout the game is like if you are rubbing up against something that you. It seems like so out of reach. It's probably because you don't have a power that's going to not trivialize it, but will make it like it'll make sense what you're trying to do um, in in that area. So um, yeah, this game has just been like really. I've got like a bunch of emails over the like past year about it, and I don't know. Like the trailer never did anything for me, and then I just like finally sat down and played it, and it's fucking great. So just awesome. comes out today on like at least PC and Switch, and um, it's a it's a really good experience on on Switch, but it's a. Uh, yeah, disc room like it's dope. You should you should check it out. Um, uh, last thing before I let you go, we did get an email that made my that I don't know <laughs> my attention sparked from reading this. Oh. I posted because I almost don't want to I don't want to spoil it. But Patrick, you should read yeah. the question that came in here from Joey. Oh, and it's just in the chat. I posted oh, okay. it. I, All right, I'm. <clears throat> I've never heard this story, and I, I think it sounds like it's vaguely in line with some of our past conversations about. Uh, restaurants, bosses, etc. So, I, oh, you know, hey, I guess hey, waypoint crew, long time, first time. Don't don't spoil it. I just want you to tell the story. Joey oh. wrote in and said, "Hey, can you tell this certain story?" Patrick's but I think time. in in asking the story, in yes. asking for the story, it spoils right. an element of the story. So I just need to hear the story. All I know <laughs> is it's about a p. Pe- or all people should know is pe- there's something about a pizza place. Yeah. So uh, growing up. Uh, one of our favorite uh, places uh, to eat um, is a pizza place called Garibaldi's. Um, it is sloppy, greasy, and this isn't like, oh, like your college joint where you're like going at two in the morning to yeah, yeah, yeah. not get sick the next day. Like this is like like middle school, high school. It was like around the corner from an old um, arcade that we used to frequent. My parents would just drop us off while they're, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're shopping. It became in high school, the place that was like, the the food place that like it was just like just far enough that you're gonna have to like race through the lights to get back to school in time to high school in time to like make your next class but they had this two for one deal you get you get uh, uh two slices you got a drink it was just like affordable it was like just delicious and um it it's bad pizza it's bad but I love it I adore <laughs> it like I still get it every once in a while and every time you bite into it you're just like this is trash but it like. <laughs> 
there are many times where I actually with food I eat something and it like transports me nostalgically. Like that's just I don't like ha- even though I have foods that, like I can tell stories about. Garibaldi's is like the one where I'm like, damn, I have like a million memories associated with this specific gross pizza that has not changed in consistency or grease in like, you know, the 20 years I've been eating it. And so when, you know, in our 20s, when people started moving away to different places, one of the things that we would always do when we came home for like Thanksgiving or Christmas, when people like would come gather back together again, is like, let's go get some fucking Garibaldi's. And Hell they yeah. closed down the one that we always used to go to, and they opened up a new one um, not too far away. And they opened a couple of them, and but the one we went to was because it um, employed the one of the same cashiers, this this woman um, who was there every time we went in high school. We, we could just say, you know, like, we'll have, you know, the, you know, the, the regular, the normal. And, like, she knew what we wanted, mm-hmm. like, what individual t- types of pizza we wanted. And she ended up working at this one. It's like, that's going to be our Garibaldi's. That's the one right. that we're going to. We're going to stick with that one. Um, and we went in there one time, and we had uh, ordered a bunch of pizzas and often be the kind of thing where we just stick around and chat for a long time. So we ordered a bunch of pizzas, and we're hanging out there. And um, someone noticed, like, someone came up to the – uh, to the door and like had slapped a, I don't know, like some green paper on it. I was like, okay, whatever. Like, I don't, you know, it's November. I don't know. Maybe it could have been election season. I, like, I have no idea, but like, we didn't really think much of it. Um, we were the last people in the place. No one was there. Um, and then we noticed uh, that the owner went and locked the doors and we're still in the place. They're not closing anytime soon. Why? That's sort of mm-hmm. odd. And, they came over to us and we're like, you know, you need to, you know, you need to wrap it up and, you know, you need to, to leave soon. And we're like, that's, well, that's strange. Mm. Um, and we leave and we look at the the sign and it says this place has been shut down by the city. It is no longer an operation. You are in violation of uh, something, something. It didn't say exactly what it was. Uh, and we're sitting out there. Like someone had taken a pizza to go. I was like, did we just eat the last pizza at Garibaldi? So then I'm, I'm researching it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what is like the ref? Like, there's some sort of like you know c- code violation. I looked it up, and it's like, oh my god, tax evasion. Like, they're just they're just shut down the Garibaldi's while we were here for like we <laughs> ate the last Garibaldi's wow. pizza before the like the tax man came and shut this fucking place down and it became like a big thing in the news and oh, amazing um, and uh yeah they ended up you know i don't know how the the sale of the chain or you know uh, uh worked that was or not just that there wasn't a franchise this wasn't this garibaldi's or this i don't was... know i don't remember i'd have to look up the news story okay. to see exactly how uh uh it worked out um but um they, that with we there was a another Garibaldi's opened up and that woman went to go work there and that became the the, the next one that we went to but yeah I, I experienced pizza at a place that was shut down for tax evasion while we were eating there um, and then I've actually experienced that twice like the there was a, a a Mexican place that my wife and I would go to before we saw movies and it was it was great it was right next to the movie theater it was like really convenient. Um, and it didn't happen while we were there, but the next time we went to the movies, it was just a, another green sign there that said this place has been shut down. I was like, this is the same green sign. This place just got shut down for tax evasion. Like, why do I keep eating at places that <laughs> Patrick, can't handle you, I, their listen, taxes? The feds, are you sure you're not secretly a mole for the feds? I got to know. <laughs> 
Not because I'm evading taxes, just because I just need to know generally speaking. Uh, Wait, I started fed, working at Waypoint, and then Wait. like within a year, I had to reach a settlement with the IRS. <laughs> huh. Jesus Christ. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Huh. Huh. Patrick. You know? Who could say? Hmm, IRS agent Patrick Klepek. Don't on the if you case. See, see if you. But if I run, the next time we all get together, if you see some green signage in my in my uh, in my bag, you know you might want to get worried. What was that place that we went to in Boston? Is that place still doing okay? What place is doing? What place is doing okay right now, Austin? I don't remember. <laughs> well, it had the worst name. Uh, it was like Mick something. Mick Mick. Remember, it was just like a weird. Um, there was like that really the downstairs gross- place. No, it was a place near where Patrick and I had a had an Airbnb for one Pax. It was like oh, down across the oh. street, and it had just like gross Mick. Uh, oh, what was that? Because you bought me one, you left it. The Magusta. <laughs> the Magusta. Magusta. <laughs> Can we look it up? I'm looking it up. Let's see if Magusta. 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 Magusta shut down for tax evasion. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, Magusta Boston was a worthless fucking search. It was Magoo. It was McGoo's Pizza, but they also. <laughs> oh, it's so gross. Uh, the name of the place is Magoo's Pizza, but as uh, this person in the in a review who has the symbol of the Masons for some reason, please, uh, please. I just clicked. I just clicked you a Reddit thread. Thank you. Thank you for the Reddit thread here. Magusta. Oh my God, this famous Magusta. Uh huh. <laughs> Buffalo chicken pizza is on point. They also have this thing called a Magusta, which is now one of my favorite things on the earth. Austin, that photo of the Magusta you got me looks like you took a shit in like a, like a oh, styrofoam box. Oh, it's so bad. I hope this place is doing okay through through COVID. Shout outs to Magoo's Pizza in uh, downtown. Uh, not downtown. Not downtown Boston. Certainly not. Uh, South Boston. Uh, their website's still up. You know? Um, I'm looking at Yelp. Says, I'm trying to pull it up because Yelp will usually say if uh, a place I'm hit order is, online. No, it's open right now. There we go. Review highlights. Buffalo Chicken Pizza is on point. That's they what also I said. Have this thing this called the, the quote Magusta. Oh yeah, this is yeah. What, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. Listen, I, I'm on it. I'm on Yelp. Hey, We're Mario will take care of you and even give you an extra ranch for free. Uh, the Stromboli called the Magusta is a must. <laughs> if you walk out without a Magusta, you're just lying to yourself. Thank you. Thank Shib- you everyone here. Uh-huh. is having none of it. The food here is absolutely terrible. I saw a huge line out the door, so figured it'd be amazing. However, it was probably because it was one of the only food places open yep. near the bars we were at. I just don't understand how you can mess up pizza so badly. There was literally no sauce on my cheese pizza. <laughs> so disappointing. I honestly love every pizza, usually after a night out of drinking, but this was horrible. We'll never go back no matter how hungry I am. Do you remember that wow. bar that was right near there, too? I think uh, Rob came out that one. That was a Robert was a Joel. Joel. We went to a bar like right around the corner of there that was like the platonic form of like sports bar. Yep. <laughs> it was so bizarre. Anyway, we can't just talk about Pax's. Uh, no. Nope. Well, you know, you try to think about, you know, that when we used to go place and do <sighs> yeah. that. You know, you know how often I think about that fish in a bag? That was delicious. Oh, Remember when yo. I got that? That was, that so, was good. so good. One of that my looks, all-time favorite yeah. meals. Like, seriously, like, it's in a top 20. That fish was good. That was that. What was and it? it was, was that? in a bag, a plastic bag. Yeah. That was at the, was that legal? Legal seafood? And you were like, I don't know, fuck me up with this fish in a bag. <laughs> 
I got it because the name was Fish in a Bag, and it's, you all bullied me into doubling down on my joke, and it yeah, was great. And it was good, and and yeah, uh-huh. All right. Well, all right. on yeah. that note, as we reminisce over days past where we all get to see other people <laughs> We got to life. hang out and eat Man. food at tables? The name of that other bar, the name of the bar that I was like, this is just... It's like a parody of a sports bar was called Stats, which again <laughs> is like the name of a sports bar in a TV sitcom where all the, you know, all the main characters go to hang out at Stats. It was miserable. It was not good. The food there was not great. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for us as always. You can send your questions in or your requests for us to tell stories you've heard elsewhere, I guess, uh, to gaming at vice.com. Uh, shout out as always to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Follow everything we do, twitter.com slash waypoint, waypoint.vice.com. Rob, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, in the extended baseball universe, Stats is the bar that the uh, <laughs> baseball equivalent of Sam Malone opens in Boston <laughs> uh, after his career tragically ends in the <laughs> disaster. Yeah, perfect. Good. Patrick, how about you? Yeah, Patrick Klubbick. And Kato. Just find me hate liking everyone's Destiny uh, collection editions as they all come in early. Okay. You'll get yours. It'll show up. I, I won't. believe in you. Wait, because I didn't you? get it. Uh, Austin. Oh, you didn't no, get it. Kato, I promise. I we can get, get you a fraudulent one just like that t-shirt. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, you didn't hear last. Kato earned the t-shirt this I year. I earned the t-shirt this year. No longer fraudulent. Y'all were on Monday free for one oh, year. This year's edition. This year's edition, right? You were in it. That's oh, yeah. That's, this year's yeah. edition of the T-shirt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, not last yes. year's. No. So door is closed on that one. So I bet. I wonder. Have shirt. you gotten all you would have needed for a T-shirt just late? No, no. There's some Damn. seasonal specific stuff in there that I didn't get done. I see. I see. I see. I see. Well, uh, congrats again on the T-shirt, Kato. <laughs> um, I'm sure you're going to enjoy Destiny. When's that out? That's out soon, right? November 10th. Right? Yeah, pretty soon. But pretty yeah, soon. soon. Uh, God, and just think, um, we, we're going to, before, after we've recorded this, uh, but, but, uh, is this true? Wait, I'm just double checking. Are we getting a debate? Are we getting a debate? That's between, tonight. Yeah, that's, that's tonight. tonight, right? I so, haven't watched uh, any yet. <laughs> keep it going, buddy. Keep it going. Hopefully we'll get the Leslie Stahl interview, or like, uh, but like actually edited right before we talk to y'all again. So that'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, have a great weekend. As always, fuck capitalism and go home. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. She's like, I like the TV we have. We have a TCL 55 inch. She's like, I think it's a very good TV. She's like, 
a new TV is not worth the amount of money you were proposing to drop on a new TV. Like, to me, it is not worth that. Right. And she's like, so, if you do this, it is on you. <laughs> and not a, I felt, it's not a no, and then my, my guts my, turned my, to my ice. My opinion has been um, uh, tallied. <laughs> Voice right. has been heard. God. All right. Well, let us know how it goes, Rob. It seems important. He's going to buy it. Well, if, if, if you see on the next podcast or something that, like, the wall behind me is gone and replaced yeah, we'll, by we'll, a screen. Yeah. Will the speakers even fit? They will just fit. Wow. You broke out the measuring tape? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Rob, uh, I was... Rob, Rob, just tell, just tell your partner. So it turns out. Getting an Xbox, getting a PlayStation Five, we've saved money. That's sort of like oh, a down shit. payment on this TV. Fucking yes, that's a thousand dollars. It's a thousand bucks. Plus all the games. But I'm oh, obligated to give buying. these things a proper test. That's that's why they're sending it. This right. is my pitch to my Can wife when I was buying a TV. But I told her that I was buying a five hundred dollar TV. <laughs> uh, Kato, it, yeah, I mean, I could, but it's. It's a three-year-old TCL. Like, effectively, that thing is worth five dollars. No mm-hmm. way. Um, oh, dude, yes. TCLs Have you seen so how much cheap. TCLs no, cost? They, a TCL fifty-inch TV right now, you can buy for sub three hundred. Like, probably sub. Like on a sale, you could get it for like two twenty. The fuck? It would be more expensive to ship this to literally anybody so cheap. than it would be for them to buy it. How much? How big is that TV? Fifty-five. Yeah. Yeah, okay. These are pretty cheap. Which it turns out, I, I sent this to Patrick last night because I was trying to fathom, like, what am I really getting into here? Um, and there's a helpful website where you compare TV screens. Here's a used um, one for 140 on eBay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, just... Like, how much do you think it costs to, like, ship a TV safely? A like, a lot, probably, yeah. right? Like, like I'm, think, I'm thinking, like, Local $70 only. at least. <laughs> right, right. This would be a thing where I just put in the common area of the building, like, hey... 55 inch TV for anyone who wants one. Someone wow. would probably want it. Look at Rob. You would know. You should get wow. 100 bucks for yeah, it. Yeah, you could get like. Yeah, you could get. Of, you, you could just say someone in the building people. wants it for uh, 100 bucks for best offer. 100 bucks, slide it under the door after you pick it up. Also, like, our apartment legitimately, <laughs> like, our building does have people who are, like, younger, like, closer to starting out, you know, well, co- like, college kids. Yeah, so, like, I mean, just take it. Just take the TV, man. Just take, just take it. Take the TV. <laughs> Drop a six pack uh, at uh, right. Yeah. Six. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it turns out oh like fifty five to seventy seven doesn't. Wild. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's that's real. That's real increase in a way that I don't know. That mm-hmm. I know the difference between forty five and fifty five. Those between fifty five and seventy seven is is big. Uh, yeah. Just upstairs, we went from sixty to seventy, which I was like, that's not that big. That's it's big, arguably too big for the space. <laughs> like it's to yeah. the point where it's like it doesn't. This TV upstairs doesn't need to be on the wall, but I feel like the distance and on the wall would make it like not feel so oppressive when we decide to watch a television show. Yeah, I mean, I'm, gonna to, I'm gonna have to put it on the wall because um, the thought of the giant TV being like, what if the TV is so good, Mina doesn't recognize that it's a screen? And like lunges at a TV dog <laughs> right. or something. That's why like, dogs got dogs got tails and stuff too. So that can you know you wouldn't want. I don't I don't know how yeah. sturdy those uh like you know the 
cool uh, things they have that it stands on these days. Yeah, you would want it mounted for sure. Yeah. So I mean, so. even then, Mina might try to jump through it like a big window. <laughs> and then maybe maybe she gets brought into it like some sort of portal to a parallel world. She's caught inside of then she's just a in world there. of advertisements and, and reality TV shows. She's just oh in God. there. You got to go in understand. after her. You got to get a special yeah. remote control. Bring, hit that button. In this world. There's a special button on it that opens up the portal for human-sized objects like yourself. You go in. There's a whole adventure. You become closer to your family in the end. You we face learn off. something about our society. Ex- exactly. You face off against like some you know television executive who's telling you, "Oh, this is the future of TV. We're trying to you know get something back from streaming. We're trying to make TV more interactive." Uh, and then we get those to turn that into book rights. You make yourself a billion dollars. You should get the TV. This is easy. Yeah. This is easy money. Is this, <laughs> is this what Click money? was? We gotta about? start this podcast. We gotta start this podcast. Okay, we should we should start this podcast. Um, it's capsule lock day. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. It's what? Shut the fuck up. International caps lock day as a parody holiday created in t- October 2000 by Derek Arnold. Happy 20th year anniversary, everyone, to caps lock day. A user on Metafilter, uh, apparently, which is very. Oh, the second observation on June 28th was added. <laughs> By Arnold in memory of American pitchman Billy Mays. You don't get two international caps lock days, buddy. Pick one. You want to move it to June 28th? You move it to June 28th. You don't get June 28th and October 22nd uh, for for your international caps lock day parody holiday. You get one parody holiday day. The most useless key on the keyboard. Caps lock. Miserable. When I use caps lock, I'm an adult. Fuck out of here. (laughs) All right. Rather have a uh, blank space than just like a sharp tack that I put my finger on. Because that's what it feels like when I hit the fucking caps lock. Draw blood. I'd rather it draw blood from me. <laughs> I, uh, I donate blood through my keyboard. But, ah, that's better than any caps lock. <laughs> All right. Uh, 58. Fifty-eight. so close to the top of the minute, but we're not going to give it to the wow. top of the minute. All right. Fuck that. Fuck that. 